How's it going? This is Scott Fish. I co-host a podcast called the Commission Impossible Podcast with Ryan McDowell. We don't exactly go over player values or dynasty trades or potential or rankings or mock drafts, and we usually don't even have guests. We just like to talk about commissioner stuff, so that's what you get. You can learn about lots of different scoring systems, uh, interesting rules, settings, how to set up your playoffs, how to determine draft order, how to determine rookie auction values, things like that. Stuff that commissioners might be interested in, like rivalries or rolling bank rolls or salary caps. We also answer commissioner questions. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check us out. It's a pretty good listen. You're listening to the Dynasty League Football Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan. With me again this week is Ryan and Matt. Matt, you're getting over a little bit of of a bug. Healthy enough to join us and talk about some super flex and some tight end premium, though. Are you going to make it through this hour or so? Oh, you know I will, man. It's all about the love of the game, right? Yeah, push, so we'll through. push through. Uh, keep that Brett Favre streak going, <laughs> buddy. Uh, <laughs> we're all pulling for you to put up big numbers on this episode. Ryan, yourself, you're you're not struggling with the health part of it, but uh, so busy with Dynasty content that you probably feel about the same as Matt, huh? Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit. It's uh, But l- like Matt said, just uh, always glad to be here. Yeah. Sounds a little bit like Ryan maybe is a little bit allergic to fun tonight. So. <laughs> I'm allergic to something. As a as a fellow allergy sufferer, we'll we'll breeze right past that. Uh, Matt, Ryan, and myself are going to be talking talking about some of the specialty league uh, rookie values, all the super flex leagues out there, tight end premium, point per carry. We might even dabble in the contract leagues and how those specific rule settings might change values in rookie drafts Um, we're going to do all that and finish with a super flex rookie mock draft Uh, looking forward to that in about a half hour or 45 minutes first though let's talk about these super flex drafts that are happening everywhere right now Um, myself I've had one and it was a really interesting one for me Ryan Uh, those quarterbacks really went off high and once they started to go, they, they, they didn't slow down. It seems like a majority of those quarterbacks seem like they mix in with that second tier of running backs in the draft that I saw and the couple others that I've seen. Uh, are you saying the same things? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think just the volume of this quarterback class that we've talked a little bit about before is is really a game changer, not only for those teams in in super flex leagues that need a quarterback, but really for all of the teams, because with five draftable first round quarterbacks, you're looking at some great talent falling in as far as the middle of the second round, late second round. So, so it really impacts every single team in a super flex league, regardless of your needs. Um, and, And then I'm really interested to see where, I guess you could say the, fifth quarterback which is typically Josh Allen and the guys after him are going I think those guys are are being a little bit uh, underrated in these in this format and could end up being nice values yeah and we're, we're going to talk about each of these players as we move along Matt what are your thoughts on, the, on these quarterbacks in general in super flex drafts it seems to me like once like I said before once one goes off the board those next two or three go really really quickly and dynasty owners are, are taking advantage of this deep class while they have it in turn like Ryan said that pushes good players into the second round and you know in a standard league I have felt like sitting at 10 11 or 12 I'm gonna get a good player and now it seems like if you have the third, fourth, or fifth pick in the draft, you're you're going to get two good players 
What are your thoughts on what these quarterbacks are doing to the entire draft in Superflex? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even in one quarterback drafts, I really like to be around that around that one two or one ten to one twelve, even into the two o two spot there, because uh, you know that you're going to get a, a decent player there. But in these Superflex drafts, you're you might even get like the first wide receiver off the board at that point in your draft, and one of these one of these top eight running backs that we've been talking about. So, uh, absolutely love that. In terms of the quarterbacks themselves, like I. Definitely agree. I think they're at least the, the top three, Mayfield, Rosen, and Jackson for me, are, are in play at 102, honestly, with all of the uncertainty surrounding all of the running backs except for Saquon. So um, I'm loving what, what, what Superflex is doing to this, this draft class. Me too, for sure. Let's start talking about these players, and we'll start with you, Matt, with Baker Mayfield. It seems like he's the first quarterback off the board in more drafts than not, although we've seen Rosen and Jackson, even Darnold mix in as well. First of all, who's your top quarterback in a super flex and who and how highly are you willing to take him? I'm sticking with Lamar Jackson as my top quarterback, but that doesn't mean I necessarily have to take him as, as, as the first quarterback off the board because I think you're right. I think that you know the majority of the dynasty community, and, and rightly so, prefer Baker Mayfield there. You know, he's taken one overall, so he, he should probably be the first quarterback off the draft. I just kind of prefer the long-term upside of Jackson a little bit more. But honestly, any of these three guys, guys Jackson Rosen or Mayfield whichever one is your favorite uh, if you feel like you need to take them at, at earlier you know if you need if you're at 102 and you need a quarterback or, or just think you're not going to be able to get back in to get one of them later in the first round just just take your favorite flavor there so for me it's Jackson still I think I can probably be safe getting him in the middle of the first round for the most part uh, um, but if I and if I have that 102 spot and somebody's in love with Rose with uh, with Rosen or Mayfield maybe I can trade back a little bit and get the guy that I like but I certainly can't argue with anybody that wants to take one of those other two guys at the top. Ryan Mayfield for you, you've said in the past that he's moved up to the top of your board when it comes to quarterbacks. Are you pulling the trigger with him at one Oh two in a super flex? Yeah, I am. Um, and honestly, any of those, uh, like Matt said earlier, any of those three quarterbacks, I would be happy to have with my first round pick. If it's 1.02 again, to echo Matt, I, I would consider trading down just because of the value but if if that's the pick i'm making then it's it, yeah it's baker mayfield to push something in, in front of you guys it seems to me that trading the 102 in a standard league is is quite difficult this year especially with guys falling in the draft and the uncertainty surrounding his landing spot and the draft capital slipping at least a little bit in a super flex however it seems like there are enough dynasty owners out there that are in love with Baker Mayfield to maybe make that move. I agree with you guys that moving up, moving from 102 down to the five or six or even seven range and getting one of these other quarterbacks is a nice move. Do you feel, Ryan, like it's it's a little more doable in a super flex than in a standard league? Maybe a little bit. Um, there are certainly a ton of fans of, of Mayfield, but uh, again, I think the same can be said specifically of of Rosen and Lamar Jackson. So I still think I think you're going to have a hard time, honestly, getting a ton of value for that 1.02 because I think people see the 1.2 through maybe the 1.5 or even the 1.6 as, as all having similar value. Yeah, I specifically suggested the six or the seven because it seems like you have to get farther away to to really entice somebody to move up. And maybe you're only getting a late second round pick to make that move and it might not be worth moving down in, in with those quarterbacks. I really like Mayfield myself, uh, Matt. Specifically with him, does his having to wait his turn in Cleveland, is that the thing that, that keeps keeps Lamar Jackson ahead of him or, or is it just the skill? Because Jackson, he has to wait too. Yeah, I just, I just, I just love him. <laughs> I don't know why. I do think Mayfield probably gets on the field earlier. I know Hugh Jackson has said that Tyrod is the starter, but if Tyrod comes out and goes, you know, zero and six, zero and seven, then the crowd and the fans are going to be clamoring for Mayfield. And I'm sure the owners are going to be clamoring for him too. I mean, they just spent the number one overall pick on him. So I do think that there's a chance that Mayfield gets on the board faster and his, his, the weapons that he has there between the receivers and, and, and David and Joku, you know, are very attractive there. 
so I mean, I, I can't, like I said, I, I will not ever argue with anyone that says Mayfield is their top guy. I just think that that extra little Konami code that Jackson provides that you with that rushing attack on top of, uh, I, and I think he's the best uh, pocket passer in the, in the class as well, just makes him a little bit more attractive to me and the fact that you can get him a little bit cheaper as well. So we're all on board, or at least okay, with yeah, Baker absolutely. Mayfield going second in a in a two quarterback or super flex league. Officially, he he came in at one hundred two in two quarterback ADP this month. Uh, let's move on to Josh Rosen a little bit, Ryan. Your thoughts on Rosen? He's currently slipping down to the fifth pick, so it seems like those running backs are trickling in following Mayfield. Um, I have a little bit of trouble dissecting the difference between those two quarterbacks. Really like the landing spot for Rosen. In fact, there was that that first couple of days after the NFL draft, I felt like Rosen, because of that landing spot and the draft capital and all the things that went with it, including Arizona trading up to get him, all that made me give Rosen the edge for a couple of days. I've I've since backed off of that a little bit, and, and Mayfield's maybe my 1A with Rosen being my 1B. Uh, seems like a little bit of value there that he's slipping to the fifth pick in super flex drafts. What are your thoughts on Rosen and how do you feel about picking him in that, in the top half of that first round in super flex drafts? Yeah, I think, I think Rosen falling to the one five is again, just further evidence that that's one, that's one pretty big tier from two to five, six, seven, somewhere in there. I I would take Rosen at one three. I would take him over all the running backs, uh, other, of course, other than Barkley. And I think there's been a lot of talk about which of these quarterbacks get on the field first. Uh, they all have at least some form of a block right now in, in the form of a veteran. Of course, in Rosen's case, it is Sam Bradford, who I always seem to call <laughs> Sam Darnold. But it, it, it's Sam Bradford, and, you know, we we all know the story with him. I just I can't trust him to stay healthy. And in some ways, because of that, and also because of what we've already heard from the Arizona coaching staff regarding Bradford, I think we might see Rosen first among all these rookie quarterbacks. And I wouldn't even be surprised if he's the week one starter. Soon after the draft, Tyrod Taylor was called the starter and Josh McCown was called the starter. And, and obviously we know the deal with Flacco as well. But the same was not said of Bradford. There was some, some hesitation there and... And it sounds like it's going to be a camp battle, and I think Rosen could win that. This this team knows they're they're not going to make the playoffs this year. So let's see what happens with Rosen and his his buddy Christian Kirk and and Fitzgerald and these guys. Oh, and and that David Johnson guy too. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget him. I, I I tried to pause to give you time to bring it in. I'm glad you did because uh, those David Johnson truthers wouldn't let you hear the end of that for sure. Matt, Josh Rosen, uh, you. Your earlier comments suggested that you're willing to lump these quarterbacks in a group together. Are you putting those guys two, three, and four behind Barkley at the top of your super flex? Draft? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think there's enough reason with the other running backs from guys to Rashad Penny or whoever you have there, Nick Chubb. I think there's enough question marks with all three of those guys to go ahead and put them all behind these top three quarterbacks there. And I think according to ADP, like they're not, uh, Jackson is behind another guy that we haven't got to yet. And and, you know, Ryan said that Rosen may be the first to play. I honestly think it's this fourth guy, Darnold. I think he might be the, the next guy, the first guy up there. He only has to beat out the old guy, McCown. And for, I don't know what it is. For some reason, maybe it's the landing spot or whatever. I kind of feel like Darnold is, is my fourth in this class, despite the fact that he might go ahead and get that, that early spot there. Uh, Rosen, I definitely love. Uh, like, like Ryan said, they're already talking him up. They've already said that basically that he's the smartest guy in the room. Um, I do think that he has some stuff that he could learn from Bradford. I think one of the biggest knocks on Rosen is that he likes to hold the ball a little bit too long to try to make a play. And one of Bradford's strengths really is to get the ball out quickly. Um, so I think he, he could learn something from the veteran there. But I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Rosen is the starter on day one. So to be clear, are you willing to put Darnold into that group as well? Or are you taking those four quarterbacks following Barkley? <sighs> That's that's really tough. Uh, I, I think I might prefer at least Geis before him, 
but he's certainly right there in the conversation for me. I might prefer, uh, I know I'm a little bit higher than most on Royce Freeman. He might be in that area along with Chubb as well. But, but I, again, I wouldn't fight somebody on, on having him as the, you know, coming off the board two, three, four, five, right after Saquon at the top. So the official two quarterback ADP suggests Rosen goes off at five, followed by Darnold at six and Lamar Jackson right behind him at seven. It seems Ryan, like all these guys are going to go in the middle of the first round and that's going to create some value, but at least as far as Jackson and Darnold are concerned, you're, you're taking Rosen three, Jackson and Darnold, where are they falling in, in your ranks among super flex? I think for me, that's probably where we start to see the running backs come in. Um, so that would be the 1.04 spot. Um, maybe pushing Jackson down just a little bit and, and certainly Darnold down a couple spots. I think what's really interesting, though, and we've talked about this on the show before, if you look at the, the super flex ADP, I think we've gotten to all these guys now, at least mentioning them. It goes Mayfield, Rosen, Darnold, and then Lamar Jackson fourth off the board. Our regular one quarterback ADP has Mayfield at the top, then Lamar Jackson, followed by Rosen and and Darnold. So in that one quarterback format where you can gamble a little bit more, you see Lamar Jackson having more value. But in a super flex league, maybe looking at these guys as potential fantasy starters uh, sooner rather than later, people are taking the safer route with Rosen and Darnold. So I, I always find that pretty interesting. I know, I know guys that we're going to attempt to talk about points per carry leagues a little bit later if we have the time for it. But just to throw this out here real quick, if we're in a points per carry league, does that push Lamar Jackson up at all for you guys? Or do you think that those carries will be negligible in that kind of league? I think so. I mean, uh, uh, would you take him, would you take him over Mayfield in, in that kind of setting? Probably not. I think Mayfield will see his share of carries as well. Uh, but we keep talking about how close these quarterbacks are in value that something like that, that's, that scoring setting, could be enough to, to bump him over Donald or, or Rosen, certainly. Yeah, and I, I echo the same thoughts. I think Jackson could, could certainly move over Donald and, and Rosen, but, but just that draft capital and how much Cleveland obviously loves Baker Mayfield keeps him at that top quarterback spot, even in that point-per-carry League Darnold is an interesting guy for sure. It's it's really interesting that you brought up the ADP from from standard leagues, Ryan, and now to these two quarterbacks or super flex leagues. The guy that no matter which league you're talking about gets kind of bumped down quite a bit is Josh Allen, despite uh, all the love coming out of Buffalo and and the draft capital and them trading up and and all the good things that we typically look for, especially with quarterbacks. Josh Allen continues to fall down draft boards. He's going off in the middle of the second round in Superflex in two quarterback drafts, falling in at 205. So the 17th player off the board. I I think that's a uh, that's a that's a big overcorrection for for dynasty owners. It seems to me like he should land at the end of the first round or at least the first couple picks of the second round. What are your thoughts on where Josh Allen lands in ADP in Superflex, Matt? Yeah, I, I agree with you guys in theory that he's probably a little bit undervalued there. It's just, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of the player. And I'm not a fan of the landing spot. He's a play, He's a he's a quarterback who kind of sees ghosts in the pocket even when there aren't. And, and he isn't any pressure back there. And he's going to a team with a line that has lost three starters this year. It just seems like a bad situation for me. So I, I, I my brain says, yes, you should take him there in the early second. But when you see guys like Calvin Ridley and Royce Freeman and DJ Moore and even Kerry Don Johnson and Christian Kirk there still available um, when, when Allen is, it should come off the board. It's just really hard to kind of put him above those when you like those other players so much. So I think the smart move probably is to take Allen there because like we have always say, every quarterback in a super flex league has value. And there's certainly, especially in 12 and 14 and even 16 team leagues um, where, where these, there, where there's going to be a team that is going to be quarterback needy, no matter, no matter which of these, these, these kind of formats you're playing in. So the smart move probably is to take Allen there. It's just, it's just really hard when you see those other attractive players at other position still on the board. Ryan, Allen seems like the ultimate boomer bust quarterback prospect. And and I, I, I'm not a hater by, by any means, but a guy that goes in the top 10 of the NFL draft is going to get a lot of chances in the NFL. And super flex owners everywhere need quarterbacks, whether you're a championship contender or or you're a rebuild, 
you're looking for that next guy to, to put under center in one of those two spots in your lineup. Uh, some of those names that Matt mentioned that would be going right around Josh Allen, I, I'm easily taking the quarterback with the draft capital and all the good things happening over uh, maybe not Kelvin Ridley, but some of the others. What are your thoughts on where <laughs> Allen lands and, and where he should go in these Superflex drafts? Yeah, when I was looking at this ADP again, I I was actually surprised to see, even though even though I've looked at this data and and uh, helped to formulate this data, I was surprised again to see that he had fallen to that middle of the second round range, and he feels like a value at that point. But then to look at the names above him, Sutton and Kirk directly above him, um, I I would probably take him over those two guys again, just based on that uh, on what you're talking about, Dan. Just, just simply being a quarterback and the shortage of quarterbacks, the demand for quarterbacks in that format. But I think that's probably all I can move him up. Uh, on Johnson, Ridley, Freeman, DJ Moore. Uh, I'm still taking those guys over, uh, over Josh Allen for a lot of the reasons that, that we've said and so many others have said. Uh, the landing spot does not look great just as far as uh, the weapons that he has on that offense. Uh, and, and we all, you know, we've talked about the uh, efficiency and things like that, that, that have been the knocks on him throughout this pre-draft process. He's, he's a guy that I could see moving, moving above carry on Johnson, potentially the two wide receivers you mentioned for sure. I'd have a tough time if I was on the clock with the second pick in the second round and, and Johnson was the top running back the the top two wide receivers were off the board and, and Allen was obviously there. That'd be a tough decision for me, I, I believe in the arm strength and that there is the potential, and I like to roll the dice on guys that, that have the potential to be big-time talents. And I think Allen does have that that upside, although he admittedly has you know could crash and burn as well. Let's talk a little bit about the developmental prospects at the position in Superflex drafts. Mason Rudolph, Kyle Laletta, Mike Mike White, Luke Falk. Are, are there any of these guys, Ryan, that you're interested in snagging late in the second round, into the third round, maybe even deeper into these super flex drafts? Yeah, I talked about it a little bit earlier. Both both Rudolph and Laletta, I'm, I'm really interested in, really intrigued by both landing spots. We knew both the Giants and Steelers were a couple teams who needed to be looking quarterback, not necessarily for this year, but maybe for 2019 or uh, or 2020 I guess and I think both of these guys are players who are being underrated I think if we didn't have these five top quarterbacks five first round quarterbacks uh, if if this were just a typical year those two guys would be getting a lot more attention so to be able to get them late in the second or or Laletta's ADP is 3.07 right now those are pretty easy picks for me to make at that point in a in a super flex league. Yeah, that that ADP suggests they're they're being overlooked by a lot of dynasty owners out there. Matt, who's the guy for you? Who's the guy you're gonna if if you're deep at the position or or even looking for for help at the position? Who's the guy you're giving up like a late second, mid third for out of this group? I think it's it's probably I mean it's it's I think it's a kind of a coin flip between Laletta and and Mason Rudolph. I think it just depends on which game which guy, person's game you like better, which quarterback's game you like better, because they're both coming into really good situations with great surrounding weapons. You know, Laletta with with all those guys in in New York, whether it's OBJ or Ingram, and, and now Saquon Barkley, and and then in Pittsburgh, you know, they're he's going to be walking into to Antonio Brown, maybe a little bit past his prime, but Juju, of course, and, and now we've got James Washington there, his his wide receiver and college so both these guys are very attractive in that late second round uh i think basically i'm willing to take them as soon as mike kosicki goes off the board uh at that point then i'm i'm looking to grab one of these two guys in that late second early third range yeah i i think back and this is looking through rose colored glasses of course but I, i i think back at the point in time when when jimmy garoppolo got drafted and how people were excited about him and and knew the upside was there but he slipped in super flex drafts and people even dropped him a year or two after uh, entering the NFL. And th- there may be a guy just like that in this group, specifically Rudolph and Laletta. Um, they're certainly worth drafting and holding on to, particularly in leagues with big roster sizes. And, and even if you wanted to go deeper with guys like White and Folk and maybe some others, they're, they're worthy of draft picks in the fourth and fifth rounds of drafts. 
uh, if, if you have the space to hold on to him. I think we, we covered the quarterback position, or at least super flex, pretty well here. Let's move on to tight end premium, guys. Uh, Matt, you just mentioned Mike Gesicki. First tight end taken in most leagues. I'd, I'd say all, but there are a few... Uh, a few others. I have seen Hurst go ahead of him in in one draft. That was interesting for sure. Uh, he had the 205 ADP in standard leagues. He was the 205 in our mock last week as well. In a typical tight end premium league, maybe it's two points per catch. Maybe it's a it's a league where it's two and a half or three points per catch. How high are you willing to move him up, Matt? I think the the earliest I'd be willing to take him is that late second range. Um, he pre-draft he was my my tight end two behind Dallas Goddard, but he obviously got the better landing spot in terms of opportunity going to Miami, which which is just needs playmakers like nobody's business. So um, you know, right at that end of that that first round, if we're talking about a super flex league, also if we're talking about super flex and tight end premium, then I think he's going to get pushed down a little bit more again. You know, I think like I said, I think he's going to go like almost maybe even right right at the same spot he's going. Going in, in in standard leagues, to be honest with you, uh, right in the middle of that second round, just because those quarterbacks are pushing pushing players down. But I, if if you need a tight end, I mean, I I know there's that rule out there: don't take a rookie tight end. I was fighting against that last year with Evan Ingram. I know we all were to some extent. Um, but if you need a tight end and you love Gasecki, I mean, the athletic profile is just ridiculous. So if you're in love with him in a tight end premium league, I I, I wouldn't be mad at you if you took him in the late first, you know, maybe the 112 range somewhere in there. But for me personally. I'm probably not pulling the trigger before, say, like 203, 204, uh, depending on on the other things going on with the league format. Ryan, for me, and I'm a big Gusecki fan, I know you are as well, it's easy for me to bump him up ahead of guys like Michael Gallup and Dante Pettis and Anthony Miller, which suggests he's... He's one of the top picks in the second round. Maybe like Matt suggested, even the final pick in the first round. I like his upside and and what he could provide for any offense, especially an Adam Gase offense in Miami. What are your thoughts on where he should be in tight end premium? Yeah, again, I'm I'm pretty much in line with you guys. And for me, I think that tight end premium – definition needs you know needs to be clarified uh, most of the leagues i'm that i'm in that are tight end premium are just 1.5 ppr uh, and and i think we all would agree that that's really not even much of a tight end premium at this point we don't see a huge difference uh, uh we don't see the tight ends make up a ton of ground and, and more and more we're seeing leagues go to two points per catch for tight ends or uh, start two tight ends. I think both of those are um, much more successful in having an impact that that's kind of desired there and really making it a tight end premium league. And in those leagues, yeah, I agree. I'm moving Gasecki up above Pettis and Miller and Washington and probably Gallup as well, which uh, again puts him in that late first or very early second round range. Matt, you you you're the commission of some of these leagues that, that forces owners. Yes. I use the word force force owners to start <laughs> two tight ends is the goal as a commissioner. When you create these leagues to, to make it a true tight end premium league to make guys like Gesicki who have the nice landing spot and uh, the upside coming into the NFL more desirable and, and drive them into the first round. Yeah, it is because I think we all, as, as, as all as commissioners, kind of strive for balance. I think in their leagues and to make basically give options. I think options are good in fantasy. You know, you want to be able to give owners the ability to win in a million different ways. You don't want to, at least for me personally, you know, the standard PPR leagues have become a little bit dry. There's there's one really good strategy that way we found, and that's to build up on on youth and, and young wide receivers. And running backs, of course, are coming back the last couple of years and, and have infiltrated those top two rounds. But still, if we're talking about a long-term build, then those wide receivers are still going to hold value for the longest amount of time. And tight ends, they also play for a really long time but the 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 gap in scoring between those two positions in a standard one tight end even if it's a 1.5 uh, uh 
for, for per catch for tight ends. Like Ryan was saying, like that's that creates more of a perceived value than an actual value. There are still owners that that see that 1.5 and go crazy for it, but I think when you step back and take a long look, that extra half a point doesn't really do much in, in terms of how it how they relate to the other positions, and it's really just you know accentuating those top guys a little bit more. So when you can force owners to have to start two of those positions now, and when there's really only what five or six guys that you can start reliably week to week and expect to get some kind of consistent points out of, that really pushes those premium guys up and lifts those the bottom ends of those positions too. Those those fringe tight end ones, you know, you know, in, in a standard one tight end league, uh, even if it's a one point five point perception or even just a standard one point per reception, uh, basically if your tight end scores a touchdown, they're a top ten tight end for the week, right? So uh, when you have to start two of those guys and, and forcing owners to think about how they're going to fit those into their roster construction, whether or not they're just going to punt that second second tight end position or whatever it is, you know, it really forces owners to think and provides owners an, a, another way to win to be able to gain an edge at, at a position that isn't really used that much in, in standard fantasy football. Gesicki is, is so interesting to me and would be an excellent case study in these types of leagues because he does have that landing spot, but not only that and, and the upside that we talked about, but not only that, but he is... He is battling ADP-wise with wide receivers because that group of running backs ends at the mid to late first round and doesn't kick back in until the late second or even the third round. They're, they're, it, he's competing ADP-wise specifically with wide receivers. Like you said, Matt, that position has taken over our game, and, and people are looking for the next big name, the next... Uh, guy that slips down and puts up big numbers at the wide receiver position. So these tight end premium leagues, watching Gesicki go and, and potentially slip down boards, it'd be really interesting to, to see the value that you could get. Other guys at the position that might create some value, Dallas Goddard, Hayden Hurst, both typically third-round picks in di- standard dynasty leagues. These are really interesting names to me, Ryan. Goddard specifically because we've all seen the upside and the the ability but the landing spot isn't quite there in a true tight end premium league where where maybe you're starting two of them maybe they're you're starting two of them plus getting the the bump in points goddard is a really interesting name to me because i believe in the talent and think that landing in philadelphia isn't while he has to sit behind Ertz, isn't all that bad because he can learn there and he's attached to an excellent quarterback there's a lot of upside with that if you're going to be really patient with Goddard and to see him land in the third round in drafts if you're getting a tight end premium that seems like a bargain to me yeah I, I think I think you're probably right uh, just based on the talent but we, we have to consider that landing spot not only of Goddard but of of the other guys that are maybe in this tier both the Baltimore tight ends Hurst and Andrews uh, and I think with the tight end premium those are the guys who really get the bump because they could potentially uh, see some immediate production. I was looking at uh, Mike Clay has been doing uh, his projections for the 2018 season. He has Dallas Goddard projected for just 18 catches on the season. Uh, actually, Hurst and Andrews, not not a ton more. He, uh, I was surprised to see this. He's got Andrews at 37 with Hurst at 26. So maybe that's enough to to bump whichever Baltimore tight end you believe in. For me, it's Hurst, but uh, but Mike clearly likes Andrews. But it's enough to bump the uh, the Baltimore tight end of preference above Goddard, in, in my opinion. Hmm, that's an interesting one to me because I'm, I'm still holding firm that Goddard is that second tight end. And in tight end premium, I'm even more excited about it because unless the rule is going to go away, I want the guy that can have the big impact season. And I don't see... Hurst or Andrews delivering that kind of season. Matt, what are your thoughts on this group of tight ends? I've still got Goddard there. He was my tight end one entering the draft, and I was very sad about this landing spot. But if you look a little bit closer at Zach Ertz's contract, he's only making 790000 base this year. He did sign that long-term extension, five-year extension, $42.5 million. In 2019, he's slated to make seven and three quarters million dollars. So if Goddard shows something this year, you know, I think there's real potential that they could either look to trade 
uh, trade Zach Ertz. I don't think they're going to cut him because there'd still be about $10.5 million of dead cap, dead cap money. But uh, I think they would definitely take a longer look at, at, at maybe moving him for another piece that could help them somewhere else, whether it's a wide receiver someplace along the offensive line and, you know, how they like to load up on defense now in Philadelphia. So if Goddard really shows something here, I think there's there's potential for him to have a, a very increased role in 2019 going forward, paying on that cheap rookie contract. So I think I'm still holding him above those those Ravens tight ends, mostly because I don't know which one it's going to be. I think that Hurst is a better blocker than, than Andrews. Andrews is a pretty terrible blocker in college. Um, so there is potential that Andrews could be the receiving weapon out of those two, whereas Hurst is the blocking tight end. But, you know, Hurst was used offensively as well. So um, it, it's just tough to call between those two. It's really a shame that that both of those guys went to the same team and that Goddard got stuck behind a stud. You know, this could have potentially been uh, a, a really nice tight end class for us and a new insurgence of talent for, for fantasy purposes. But the way it sits right now, just because I don't know which one of those guys it's going to be yet I'm, I'm keeping Goddard at two for me so I think I think it is that kind of class for for dynasty owners particularly we just have to be patient with it and we're, we're pretty used to that I guess with the tight end position there's not very many Evan Ingrams out there that just burst onto the scene and immediately become a fantasy value and, and a guy that you can plug into your lineup uh, Dallas Goddard is just another one of these guys that we have to hold on to. And if you can get him right around the second and third round turn in tight end premium, he seems like one of the best values in, in that draft for me. A uh, few other names to mention. We talked a little bit about Mark Andrews, but Dalton Schultz, Troy Fumagalli, Ian Thomas in a, in a tight end premium league where particularly if it's a true premium league where you have to start two of them, Matt, are any of these guys uh, on your radar, the guys you're, you're taking, you're throwing a dart at, or are you moving them up drastically on your board? I wouldn't say I'm moving up drastically, but Ian Thomas is definitely interesting. You know, I know Greg Olson signed that two-year extension, but he also did some interviews for, for booth work <laughs> this offseason too, so it doesn't necessarily feel like his heart is in the game anymore. I, I think he is obviously going to play this year, but I think 2019 is up in the air, so there's potential Ian Thomas could, could be the guy there next season. Uh, Troy Fumagalli, I think, has a chance. I know we all love Jake Butt uh, coming off that injury. That's the guy we have slated to be the starter in Denver right now, but uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say Fumagalli could challenge him for that starting position. Dalton Schultz, not not the biggest fan of his. I, and maybe it's because I still have love and, and hope for, for Rico Gathers there in, in Dallas. But uh, he, he seems like more of a guy. I know he's fairly athletic, but he seems more like a, like a blocking kind of guy for me. And I, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Jason Garrett said they brought him in specifically to kind of be that blocking tight end. So um, out of that group, I'd probably go with Ian Thomas first and Fumagalli second. These are the kind of guys in, in tight end premium leagues where I'm, I'm happy to draft a couple of them in the third round, Ryan. Specifically Fumagalli for all the reasons that Matt mentioned and, and Thomas as well. Those guys are, are built pass catchers. Uh, they showed that throughout their college time and landed in places where there could be a direct need at the position. Uh, in Fumagalli's case, maybe even this year, Ian Thomas like Matt said, might be a year or even two down the road. But those are the kinds of guys you want to invest those third and, and maybe even fourth round picks in. Are you, are you taking a stab at these guys, Ryan? Yeah, I am for sure. I, I agree on Fumagalli, Andy and Thomas. Uh, maybe that's because I'm not necessarily ready to anoint Jake Budd as the starter in Denver. So I, I really think Fumagalli has a chance, maybe even to win that starter's job. Uh, exactly what... Uh, what Matt said about the Olsen Thomas deal. I think Thomas is certainly a guy we'll have to wait on, but he was drafted ahead of most of these guys that we've been talking about surprisingly. And and then the other guy I like is uh, Chris Herndon with the jets. Um, Another guy I think is, is being overlooked a little bit, but makes for a a great late round target, especially in these tight end premium. So we've talked about super flex and we've talked about, the tight end premium aspect of these drafts. Let's talk a little bit about point per carry, fellas, and then we're going to get into our Superflex mock draft. Uh, I don't think we have to say a whole lot more about Saquon Barkley. Maybe maybe a point per carry makes him even more valuable uh, in, in a rookie draft. Uh, if he's impossible to trade now, if, if it's such a thing, he, he'd be double impossible to, to trade away in a point per carry. Let's just move on to that next tier and, and, and look at how that 
might affect uh, these values. The, the tier of Darius Geis and Nick Chubb and Rashad Penny and Ronald Jones and Sony Michelle, they're, they're all interesting guys. We all like to have them on our dynasty rosters. But does, it, does point per carry do enough for you guys, even in a PPR league, to bump this entire group above those wide receivers like Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore? I have I have them over all of the wide receivers anyway for the most part, so it doesn't really change a whole lot for me. What does change, though, is a little bit of the order. Um, I still think Geis is, is, is number two for me, but it, but a couple of guys that who I'm not a big fan of uh, in terms of their game, but they have better landing spots is Rashad Penny and Ronald Jones. You know they're going to get immediate opportunity. Presumably, are going to get every opportunity to be the the quote unquote workhorse back for the team. So especially in year one, if you're looking for that early production, both of those guys get bumped up a little bit. For me, get bumped up above uh, Sony Michelle for sure. Potentially even above Nick Chubb, honestly, for year one. You know, unless you really think Chubb is going to beat out. Uh, uh, Carlos Hyde there in, in year one, then then you know you're probably going to be waiting a little bit for him to realize his potential. So if you're looking for early production, especially for those competing teams, then I think you got to push those guys with the immediate opportunity up a little bit. Uh, and for me, that includes Royce Freeman there. I think he's still going to be my my 104 range, 103 maybe just above Chubb. Uh, uh, but but certainly for Penny and Jones, I think it has the biggest impact for me. Interesting thoughts for sure. I, I like your thoughts on how those guys with the immediate chance to get live lots of carries move up maybe above those other running backs and certainly above the wide receivers. Ryan, are you doing the same thing? Yeah, I do have, I do have, uh, in, in typical PPR leagues, I have DJ Moore above, uh, a couple of those running backs, but I do think points per carry format would, would alter that a little bit. Again, I was looking at Mike Clay's projections. He has, uh, all three of Penny, Geis and Chubb, uh, projected for somewhere between 229, 236 carries uh, in the 2018 season. So that that kind of backs up what what Matt said about those guys seeing a, a ton of opportunity. Uh, he doesn't have all of his projections out yet, so we'll we'll see what happens with with Chubb and Michelle. But I do think those are the guys being viewed as maybe seeing a, a smaller opportunity or, or a smaller role potentially. Uh, in 2018. So the next couple running backs on our ADP list, Royce Freeman, who Matt talked about a little bit, and Carrion Johnson, I think this is a really interesting tier as I see it because Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore certainly mix in with these guys, even in a point per carry. Ryan, are you willing to move these guys over the wide receivers? Freeman, I think, yes, definitely Freeman. Again, he just looks like the workhorse there. Uh, I think Johnson has a little bit more competition in Detroit. So um, even though I'm not a huge fan of Freeman, I would I would maybe even move him over Sony Michelle and into maybe the bottom of that previous tier. Matt? Yeah, a free, like I said, Freeman in a standard regular league is, is my 104 now. And, and in, in a points per carry league, I would put, I might even push him ahead of Chubb. Carry on Johnson. Uh, I, I really like it. I, and I love the fact that they moved up for him, but I just, I just don't see the volume in year one, uh, either in, in either the, the passing game with, 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 uh, theoretic there or in the, in the running game really with LeGarrette Blunt there, unless they're just going to relegate. Uh, uh, Laguerre Blunt to you know the really short yardage and maybe even goal line goal line work for him and let carry on do the work between the twenties. So I, I think they brought those guys in for a reason. I know I know they probably weren't expecting. Uh, necessarily to get carry on, uh, so so he certainly could beat those guys out. But uh, it just seems like a little bit more of a challenge to get him get significant workload in year one. That next group of running backs that's typically slide to late in the second and into the third and sometimes even to the fourth round, Kalen Balaj, Naheem Hines, John Kelly, Mark Walton, the rest of the group, of course. All There's some interesting names in this group for sure. Maybe Balaj more than others. Hines could probably be lumped in with him as well. Are, are we drastically moving these guys up our, our rankings going into point per carry drafts, Ryan? I'm not. I, I think uh, for most of these guys, their best bet as far as a role comes as a pass catcher out of the backfield, third down back, change of pace back, what do we, whatever we want to call it now. Um, so I don't think points per carry, certainly in Hines' case, does, does anything to really change their value. 
and if if nothing else, it could hurt their value if they had more competition in this range in in the way of traditional ball carriers, but they really don't. Matt, Kalen Balage seems, of this group at least, like the most likely to, to get a handful of carries or, or maybe even develop a bigger role than that down in Miami. Are you, are you making a move with him in your rankings in point per carry? You know, I think he could probably be pushed up into the middle of the second round, maybe right after Mike Asiki goes somewhere in that range for me because I'm not a big Kenyon Drake Drake fan. I do. I mean, they're both really good pass catchers. Don't get me wrong. I just I, I don't know what's going to happen between those two. Uh, I do like seem to like Balage a little bit more than than most do. Uh, but man, it, it just that position just falls off a cliff when you're sitting there looking at the gap between Carryon Johnson and Kalen Kalen Balaj. It's it's incredible. So uh, no, I, I agree with Ryan. I, I don't think any of these guys are getting up above Kirk Sutton, Gallup, or, or Washington for me. And even in a, even in a points per carry league. With that, we'll move on to our super flex rookie mock right after this. Hey there, this is Tom Kislingberry of the Read and React podcast. Have you ever wished that you could be an NFL general manager? Well, now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online, a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel and it features a revolutionary free agency auction room which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams, and it's got tons of other really cool features in addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cut functionality, and much, much more. So, test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code DLF10 and receive a 10% discount off your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. So let's move on to our Superflex rookie mock, fellas. Uh, with last week's mock in mind, we'll just keep the draft order exactly as it was. Matt, you held the first pick last week in our standard mock. You might as well pick number one once again. That works out perfectly because I know who I'm going to get at 104 too. So I'll go ahead and take Saquon here. And uh, and be excited for my 104 pick. Yeah, 104 gets a little bit easier potentially in a uh, in a super flex. Ryan, you're up at number two, uh, and I will go with Baker Mayfield, uh, just like just like I said I would earlier. Yeah, a man of his word, if nothing else. Uh, Ryan goes with Mayfield, so I will follow what I said earlier as well. I'll go with Josh Rosen. At number three, Matt. And I'll take Lamar Jackson at 104. You'd probably say, Matt, that you got a bargain there with Lamar Jackson since you would you would regularly take him at two. That puts Ryan on the clock at five. Um, yeah, again, I think this is where it gets a, a little tricky, judging quarterback versus running back. But um, I'll go with Darius Geis here at the five spot. Interesting. That made things easier for me sitting at six i'm gonna go with the quarterback and say take sam darnold well then i i guess i have to take nick chubb here uh, since he's my highest rated player left on the board nick chubb slips slips down to seven ryan who's the eighth pick the eighth pick will be uh richard penny so the run on running back starts here i'm gonna take despite your guys's hatred for ronald jones i'll take him here but that pushes a good player down to matt a guy that might not have otherwise who are you going to take at 10 matt yeah this might surprise you guys i guess but maybe not because we've been talking about it but i'm going to go ahead and take royce freeman here pretty easily yeah that doesn't surprise us at all (laughs) i thought about i thought about just for fun to go ahead and take uh calvin ridley but you know I'll, i'll stick with my board nice um Let's see. I think I've talked about this choice um, I, I, in a couple spots. I've had this choice in a couple spots between uh, a wide receiver I really like and a and the next best running back, and I've gone both ways in in different drafts. I think I'll go with the wide receiver here and take DJ Moore. Interesting. I had you pegged for the running back on that one. 
Ryan. I will take that running back then, and I'll go with Sony Michelle at 12. So that is going to wrap up the first round. Quarterback run started at two, following Saquon Barkley at one. Baker Mayfield went second, followed by Josh Rosen and Lamar Jackson. Darius Geis was the second running back off the board at five. Then Sam Darnold went sixth, followed by Nick Chubb, Rashad Penny, Ronald Jones, Jones, excuse me, Royce Freeman, DJ Moore, and the twelfth pick was Sony Michelle. So that puts Matt back on the clock at the top of the second round. You willing to make the leap back into the quarterbacks, Matt? Nope, you know where I'm going. I'm going to go ahead and take Calvin Ridley here. It's ridiculous to me. I took <laughs> Sony Michelle just to see how long you guys would let Calvin Ridley slip. Uh, I think regularly I would have taken Ridley at 12 and called that a big, a big bargain. Ryan, you're on the clock with the 14th pick. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted by the quarterback here, but I think I'm going to go running back with Carrion Johnson. No surprise there. It's, it's it's kind of the what I talked about earlier when we were talking about the Superflex. It seems like the spot in the draft where we start, most people probably lean towards the running back and maybe even those wide receivers that typically would go right here. I'm going to take Josh Allen and be pretty happy with it at the 15th pick. Uh, it seems like a bargain to get a guy that's drafted that high, no matter what you think of Josh Allen in a Superflex league. He should go in the top 15 picks, in my opinion. So to get him at 15 feels pretty good. Matt, you're on the clock at 204. Yeah, that was a good pick. I probably would have went ahead and pulled the trigger on, on him there. Um, but since you got him, and despite the recent arrest, I will still take Christian Kirk here at the whatever pick we're at, at the 204. <laughs> so we're back into the wide receivers. Ryan, you're going to start a streak here at Whiteout? Yeah, I think I think this is this early mid early second round range is where we'll see quite a few wide receivers. We talked about after really after Carryon Johnson, there's just not much left at that running back position. So we should see lots of wide receivers. I'll keep it going with Cortland Sutton. Sutton seems like such a bargain. Think of a, a standard league with twelve teams and, and you earn the fifth pick and, and get to choose between the fourth best quarterback or the second best running back in the first round and then swing around and still get a first round type talent with Cortland Sutton. Uh, it seems like a heck of a heck of a year to have a top five pick, especially if you are rebuilding. Um, I'm going to stick with the, actually, I'm going to go off course a little bit. I'm going to take Mike Gusecki here. Uh, he goes a little bit higher than, than maybe some would suggest. Uh, and maybe we, we would have suggested a week ago, but I really like Gasicki and, and don't feel as bad about his landing spot as others might. So maybe I should move him up my, my regular ranking because we're not really thinking about tight end premium or considering it in this mock. Since we talked about it tonight, I'm going to I'm gonna move him up mine and take Gasicki at 206. Yeah, that, that feels right. I think we just had a little bit of a tear break there at wide receiver. Obviously already had the tear break at quarterback and running back. So Gasicki seems pretty obvious there. Uh, but since he's off the board, I'll take my next favorite wide receiver, James Washington. Seems like a value pick there, Matt. Who's going to go off at 208, Ryan? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep the wide receiver run going with Michael Gallup. And that pushes uh, another wide receiver to me. I'm going to take Dante Pettis at 209. Matt, you're back up. There seems to be another little bit of a mini tier break here with these last few ride receivers off the board. So I will take the last one in this little mini tier. I'll take Anthony Miller. Ryan, I'm sure you were hoping one of those wide receivers would get down to you at 211. Which way are you going to go with your last pick in the second round? Yeah, I do think Miller was the end of that tier. Um, ah, there, there's, there's a few guys here. Actually, you know, I, I do have another guy in that tier, actually, now that I think about it. I'll, I almost overlooked him. almost forgot about him. I'll take Traquan Smith, the Saints wide receiver. Mm, I'm so disappointed. I tried to bait you into thinking the last wide receiver was off the board to get Smith to drop one more spot. It almost Because uh, I think there is a definite tier break right here, whether you're in Superflex or, or a standard league. Uh, once Smith is off the board, it's hard to move a lot of these wide receivers close to them. With that in mind, I'm going to 
switch positions for the first time in the last six picks. And I'll go back to the tight end position, take out Dallas Goddard with the 12th pick in the second round. So the second round is closed up. We went Calvin Ridley at the top pick with in the second round to Matt, followed by Kerryon Johnson and Josh Allen. Then a mini run of wide receivers with Christian Kirk and Cortland Sutton going fourth and fifth. Mike Gusecki sandwiched in there with those wide receivers. And then at seven, it was James Washington, Michael Gallup, Dante Pettis, Anthony Miller, Traquan Smith, and the final pick of the second round is Dallas Goddard. I think we have time for a third round, fellas. Matt, once again, lead us off. I think I got to go back to quarterbacks here and go ahead and grab Mason Rudolph. So I considered going with Rudolph there, and and because of Dallas Goddard and that upside that I talked about, I decided to go to the tight end position rather than Rudolph. I didn't think he was going to last much farther ryan would you have taken him here had he lasted one more pick i would have taken him here i would have taken him over dallas goddard as well so yep i like the, the i like the rudolph pick uh at, the dig there sick yeah. burn <laughs> um i think oh this there, there's several in this range i'm gonna go with antonio callaway here all right, so I'm back on the clock at 303 and callaway was a guy i would consider for sure. Uh, it's, it's a tough decision, no doubt. Uh, I think I'll go with one of my pre-draft favorites, back to the wide receiver position, and I'll take Deion Kane and hope he what? and the rest <laughs> of the group uh, in in Indianapolis hook up and make Kane move up draft boards. Matt, you're up at 304. I think this is about the range I'm willing to take a stab at. Kalen Balage, so I'll go ahead and take him at the fourth pick in the third round. Ryan, how about the fifth pick in the third round? I think once Rudolph comes off the board, that's just the the signal that Kyle Laletta will not be far behind. I almost took him at the 3.02, so at 3.5, he'll be my pick. Oh, I considered taking him over Deion Kane and decided he'll probably make it three more picks, so he doesn't. I have to shift my... Uh, my plan here. Um, I'm scrambling. I know you guys aren't a big fan of him, but just the value of him at this point. I'm going to take DJ Shark. It seems like he'd probably be off the board in most drafts by now. I know none of us are, are huge fans of Shark, and, and we've probably all moved him down our boards quite a ways. Uh, lots of people are picking him in the middle of the second round in standard leagues, which suggests he'd go in the late second in a super flex. Seems like 306 is a value, so Shark is off the board. Yeah, he's, he's not someone that I've really liked, but uh, I've been talking with our buddy Waz a little bit in the last week, and he is a huge fan of DJ Chark. So uh, can't, can't fault that pick at all there. Uh, I think I will continue to take this, this uh, next tier of running backs here and go back with uh, Naheem Hines at, uh, at uh, whatever pick we're at, 307. I think Hines was the, the clear favorite there. So um, if we're talking about another... Another tear break, tear gap. That it's it's after Hines, I think. So that leaves me kind of questioning this next pick. I think I will go with uh, the tight end spot, and I'll go to Hayden Hurst. Hurst is a guy I was thinking about at this spot. Uh, instead, since he's gone. I will go to one of those Green Bay receivers, and I'll take Jamon Moore with the ninth pick in the third round. Matt, who's your final pick in our mock? Yeah, that, that's where I was going to go to. Um, since he's gone, I will take another guy I'm pretty high on at the, at the at the spot in the third round. So we'll go with Kiki Cutie for the Texans. Ryan, you have one more spot left at 311. Who's your sh- who's the last shot you're going to take? I like a lot of this. I like a lot of the guys in this range, and I also see very little difference between players in this range and really all the way throughout the fourth round. So, um, I guess I, I guess I have to stay on brand and take my guy Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, we we talked about him a little bit last week. Obviously, he should be falling. Should not be a second rounder, but into the third round, I'll take a stab. 
Yeah, even in a super flex league, Ryan can't stay away from ESB. No. For the record, if he had let him slip to 12, I'd have probably pulled the trigger there as well. I'm going to go – last week I went to the tight end pos- position with the final pick in our mock draft. I picked Troy Fumagalli, and it seems like I have the same – decision once again i picked him over mark andrews last week i need to adjust my rankings i think because i'm going to take fumigali here as well i'm a wisconsin badgers fan but he's a pass catcher and i see a direct line to him getting on the field early i think he has a chance to impress so i'm going to take him at 312 even though that's much higher than most will have to take him uh in their rookie drafts whether it be tight end premium or anything else so the final round the third round is in the books matt led it off with mason rudolph ryan went with antonio callaway at 302 i followed that up with Dion kane then kalen balaj kyle loletta and dj chark went off the board the seventh pick was naheem hines followed by hayden hurst and jamon moore the last three picks of our third round in this super flex mock. Kiki Cutie, Equinemius, St. Brown, and once again, Troy Fumagalli. That's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. I'm Dan, that's Ryan, and over there is Matt. We appreciate you listening. We'll catch you again next week. flex rookie mock right after rookie this. flex no stop stop <laughs> stop stop, stop. Ah. rookie flex it's a good day have another beer day i think we're about to hit another tier break so i'll take the last one here dante pettis i, I would love for you to take dante pettis but i just <laughs> took him at 209 <laughs> thanks for paying attention uh, never mind did I really just do that? I guess I did. Like, this makes for great radio. Everything why don't I you, just said. Uh, why don't you re-intro that one? <laughs>